So I think what's interesting when it comes to the influencer marketing side of things is that you do get that third party validation. Influencer marketing, Steve, is simply word of mouth on steroids. Okay. Um, that, that's basically what influencer marketing is. And, you know, you got to avoid the traps and you got to know that some engagement isn't true engagement. And there's a lot of things that I feel like we'll go over today. But for a brand, that level of mass word of mouth is really important. You're listening to E-Commerce Fastlane, episode 35. Welcome to E-Commerce Fastlane, the podcast show to help you build, launch, grow, and scale a wildly successful e-commerce company. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. Learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your Shopify store. And now, your host and e-commerce entrepreneur, Steve Hutt. So hey there, it's Steve, and welcome back to the e-commerce Fastlane podcast. Now, this is your first time listening. This is an e-commerce show where we have honest and transparent conversations about building and thriving online with your store powered by Shopify or Shopify Plus. Now, new episodes are available each week with your favorite podcast player through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and now Spotify. Or you can also sign up online at ecommercefastlane.com and be notified when new shows are being released. Now, on today's episode, I'm chatting with Joe, who is the co-founder of Viral Nation, and he's going to talk about one of the hottest topics in e-commerce today. It's influencer marketing, the, the strategies and the tactics, and you know, most importantly, what you as a Shopify store owner should consider today uh, to move the needle to improve your brand awareness, uh, conversion strategy, and your long-term kind of uh, retention strategies for lifetime uh, customer value. So let's jump into the show. Well, Joe, tell us on a high level, like what does Viral Nation do as, as a company and what problem does it solve for Shopify store owners? Viral Nation is truly a um, Cinderella story when it comes to marketing agencies in this new era of marketing. And I'm sure that your Shopify clients have, have felt the burn of, of the change in the market and how they market their websites and, and how they really drive conversion and, and, and sales um, through in this new era. And Viral Nation is really built off of three different key pillars. One of those obviously being influencer marketing. Uh, we specialize in scaled and and seasonal influencer marketing campaigns for a number of brands from you know Fortune 500s all the way down to startups. And really what we try to bring to the table is a managed service approach. How do we make it a strategy? Viral Nation is infamous for being uh, performance driven. Um, so we really kind of hone in, Steve, on the conversion and retention, but also keeping in mind that awareness is is, is key and, and paramount for a lot of these companies as well. On the other side of the company, we specialize in content and paid. So how do we how do we use influencer style content and that third party perspective on messaging and, and video and content to to then use paid in a very tactful way that's not coming from the brand um, and developing that sort of content in-house for brands so that you know, we can start to see, you know, as you know, Steve, like content on social is so unbelievably consumable right. and there's so much of it that it's just, you know, brands have a hard time, especially with internal teams and, you know, traditional agencies of developing the content that people are now consuming at, at scale mm -hmm. uh, without being turned off by it. Right. Um, so we've really built a large part of Viral Nation dedicated to that type of content. Um, call it viral content, call it consumable, shareable content. But with the spin that it's more to do with how do you have high volume, low cost content, as opposed to before what a lot of brands were doing in the last 10 years was, you know, let's, let's spend a lot of money, let's develop this piece of content, and let's run ads on it. And let's make this, you know, let's tie our pony to this piece of content. Um, Viral Nation's taken the approach that we would rather tie our pony to, you know, 100 creatives, and, and really not fall for the old school model. And that's been a big, big success for us. And then lastly, as a caveat, Viral Nation owns a company called Viral Nation Talent. It's um, a separate company, excuse me, to Viral Nation. And Viral Nation Talent is the largest talent agency globally for um, social influencers and celebrities. So operates separately from my team, but is how we got our start in the space. And, and you know, like an athlete would have an agent, Viral Nation has agents globally who, who manage these folks. So we get a pretty cool perspective, I mean, not only from the influencer side, um, but from the brand side as well. 
So I'm really excited uh, to, to have this conversation with you and see where it leads. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, and I do have quite a few uh, conversations, even one recently about talking about user generated content and both from, you know, the celebrity micro influencers and macro influencers. And there's quite a few different labels that go on different types of people depending on on their reach. And, and one of the topics that came up was just the whole authenticity and at scale about how there are solutions and processes in place to be able to have your own customers actually leave photo and video reviews of product and then at scale being able to create social ads uh, instead of, as you were saying, you know, putting a lot of money towards uh, building out a campaign and being uh, more focused on having the perfect shots and the perfect video and the expense that goes along with that sort of thing versus the authenticity of actual real customers actually having photos of them actually using the product. And it just seems to resonate with a lot more. You, f- you feel as a consumer that it's not just a big marketing engine behind it. It's more, no, these are real people using the product and it just adds a lot of social proof. Is that kind of what you're finding? I always go back to this old saying, Steve, and I think it applies really well for Shopify vendors is the people that are happy don't tell people about it. And the people who are upset tell everyone. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's so hard, that UGC content for a brand, like, you know, I was uh, on a friend of mine's Shopify store the other day and saw some reviews and I was like, wow, like, you know, that's a powerful, there's some powerful statements on there for me as a customer, but getting those is, is difficult, right? And, 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 and not only that, not everybody has a personality for social, not everyone knows how to make videos, not every, you know, not everyone's super articulate, Right. So I think what's interesting when it comes to the influencer marketing side of things is that, you know, you do get that third party validation. Influencer marketing, Steve, is just simply is simply word of mouth on steroids. Okay. Um, that, that's basically what influencer marketing yeah. is. And, you know, you got to avoid the traps and you got to know that some engagement isn't true engagement. And there's a lot of things that I feel like we'll go over today. But for a brand, that that level of mass word of mouth is is really important. So let's talk about you and your journey, because obviously you're doubling down in this kind of industry. You, you obviously have a story to tell and you've made decisions, uh, obviously, to be a, a founding partner of Viral Nation. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey leading up to launching Viral Nation. Yeah, it was um, packed full of failure and, uh, <laughs> the, the, and the traditional, you know, the, the traditional sense. But I think, you know, to preface our backstory is that myself and the other founder of Viral Nation aren't marketers by trade. And I think a lot of people would be afraid of saying that. I think for us, it's the reason we're successful. We've taken a totally non-blind, like we've taken a blind approach to this thing. We've we've learned and built everything to do with our agency based on us being entrepreneurs, us being in a different bunch of different industries. Everything that we're doing is so different from the traditional marketing model me and the other founder, we've been we've been trying out businesses for a long time. We had e-commerce stores. We owned a product that it got into global pet foods and, and distribution, and we, we failed miserably at almost all of them. But throughout the way, we really learned not only the service business and starting a service business, a product business. We we we've tried it all, and then right before Viral Nation, we we successfully built a company that did liquidation. Believe mm. it or not, the farthest marketing you can right. get to. And basically what we did there was all of the products that would be returned to like a Best Buy, a Future Shop, a Walmart, a Costco, we would buy the returns. And the thing with human nature is sometimes people, you know, want to return something, but they don't have like the the balls to say, you know, I didn't, I don't like it. I don't want it. Right. So they make up excuses. This thing's broken. It doesn't work. It, and, and what that did was create this supplementary business where they would sell off those returns at, at, at auctions. We would buy them and, and we would find out that, you know, 80 to 90% of that stuff was totally functioning. And what we did was we packaged it. We, we made sure that everything was working. It was all tested. And then we would either sell it wholesale to liquidators or we actually had our own warehouses where we sold to the public. So very different than what we do now. Um, but it taught us a lot, not only about customer service engagement, what works to draw people in. Like, I think what's the coolest part about our journey and those failures and all those things were was we really got to understand what it takes to get someone to want something, regardless if it's a B2B play, regardless if it's an e-commerce play, regardless if it's someone coming to a warehouse to buy a toaster. Mm-hmm. And we took all of that built up kind of knowledge. And we said, screw it. Let's try something totally new. At the time, my business partner is infamous for being late for things. <laughs> okay. And we used to carpool to work. So I would sit 
in a driveway by myself, probably 20 minutes on average a day waiting for him. And I was on, I was on a platform called Vine. I was, you know, I was killing time with social and I saw that there were these influencers emerging on other platforms because influencer marketing originated, Steve, from bloggers. Bloggers was like the main play. It happened before these big YouTube stars and Instagram stars and Vine stars. And that wasn't something that I was at all familiar with. But I saw these new era of influencers kind of emerging. And I said, I said to Matt one day on the way to, to the office, I said, Matt, these guys are worth a shitload of money. Like, I feel like these guys are selling themselves short. Why don't we try to get into this? So we approached an NHL agent who assisted us in, in figuring out how to get into the space. We started monetizing an NHL player's social. We, we, we tried to go the celebrity route. We were, we were pretty successful. It wasn't great, but it was working. And then, God, Steve, we signed this one kid um, who was a, a kid from Canada who was a Vine star. And within the first few months, we were making him real money. And he was a parking attendant at a uh, hockey team in Windsor, Ontario. And people listening to this, Windsor, Ontario is, you don't know anyone who's from Windsor if you live in Toronto. Like, it's just one of those places that's really out there um, in terms of distance. It's very close to the border of Detroit. And, you know, that, and then that created this storm where we really just hit it. We started signing influencers left, right, and center. And that's where Viral Nation Talent was born. And then what happened, Steve, was uh, we we had all of this new talent and there was only two or three companies doing what we were doing at the time and we were growing the fastest. And we started then getting calls from marketing agencies and PR companies and stuff saying, hey, we're trying this thing called influencer marketing with some of our clients and, you know, we need the influencers from you. Um, so we were sort we were basically running influencer marketing campaigns for tons and tons of different um, marketing agencies, and they really gave us the nuts and bolts of how to put these things together. And being the entrepreneurs that we were, we didn't want to just be the middle guy. We wanted to get right in there. So we built a marketing agency four years back, and, and we started doing what the other agencies were paying us to do, and that was our big turning point. Um, since then, our agency has grown almost 450% every year. Um, we're up close to 70 staff today. We represent close to 65 brands. And we've really, really done it through honest work experience, you know, straight kind of hustle. But the reason I get so excited about these opportunities to speak to people like you, Steve, is because the influencer marketing world is so unbelievably convoluted and there's such a lack of knowledge and, and education on the side of the brands and the side of these e-commerce companies that it's really difficult for them to make an informed decision, which leads to a number of things. Influencer marketing doesn't convert for my e-commerce store. I don't sell anything when I do right. this. You know, it costs too much. Um, I had a really bad experience, you know, all the way to influencer marketing is just a pain in the ass and I don't have time <laughs> yeah. for it. So it's nice to have these conversations and really start to debunk what I think is a really amazing uh, vertical that a lot of e-commerce companies should be using. Yeah, it's an exciting uh, journey that you've been on. And, you know, I wrote a couple notes here, you know, and I, I, I agree with you about the whole patience and passion. I mean, you've been doing this for, you know, a number of years and, and you know, dabbling with that, you know, that first kind of vine and uh, star. And then, you know, gosh, from Windsor Hockey, you know, <laughs> parking attendant. Like, it's pretty amazing that that opportunity is there. You saw it. You went for it and then slowly over time it just kept making slight pivots and improvements to uh, what you can do to manage people as part of the I guess the talent organization of viral nation and then you know and then learning from you know other agency partners who have then approached you to use some of your talent to help drive revenue for and awareness for uh, their brands it's really interesting how these you know it's, it's almost like this the synergy or serendipity that's happened with these different separate entities but they all are you know part of a the greater viral nation opportunity that you've kind of created for the market. When we started to really bite on the heels of some of these other agencies in the space, the bigger traditional guys, they came at us pretty good. And it was more centered around, I think, this fear that I think that the, these big agencies are run by very intelligent people. And they see that this there's this big shift happening with marketing and, and it's happening so fast. Think of Blockbuster, think of, you know, what Netflix, and they're like, what, like I got to figure this stuff out. And they got a little bit, I guess, territorial. But what's funny is as we've grown to have the clout, the customers and the things that we need in order to really be big enough now to make the noise that we're making is I'm finding that they're being very accommodating. They're leaning on us for our knowledge. They're wanting to work with us more. And that's exciting because 
I think a lot of what they do is still extremely, extremely useful and extremely important. But I think that the more years go by, these e-commerce founders and and these people are going to start to understand the value of this. And it's about culminating each pillar to work well. Um, as opposed to just picking one. Or yeah, two. that's the conversations I have too um, with kind of the brands and merchants that I have the opportunity to work with. And, you know, we use the acronym like OPA, like other people's audience. And, you know, th- there's always this thought of like, how can I uh, get involved in with, with somebody else's audience? And it's either are they an existing customer of ours and can I find out their social footprint and then can I reach out to them? And there's certainly some strategy behind uh, trying to figure out who your customers are and then their social footprint and then do they uh, or can they be uh, some kind of an influencer or a brand advocate and so that's an interesting strategy that we might be able to dig into a little bit later and then you know and then on your side it's like you know it sounds like over the time you've done you're now becoming a thought leader in this space and now you're you're garnering the respect deserved respect from other agency partners who also have a lot of skill but they're like hey wait a sec can we leverage you know it's the you know it's one plus one equals three kind of situation and I think that's why Viral Nation is doing as well as it's doing is because you've doubled down in this particular area, you've signed some great uh, great influencers, and you're working your way through it, and then now also uh, are partnering up with other agencies to kind of uh, you know build out campaigns, and you have a lot of success, I've noticed, even going to the ViralNation.com website, reading some of the case studies. It's really phenomenal, uh, you know, kind of the, the creative uh, environment that you're involved in, and end of the day, the return on ad spend, so to speak, of kind of how well that you actually have been doing? Part of our mission from, I'd say, the beginning of 2018 to now was, how do we, how do we go brand direct? Uh, we're big enough now. We have, we have the case studies. We have the success. And, and in the beginning of 2018, I'd say it was about 60% brand direct and about 40% assisting other agencies. Um, the problem with assisting other agencies has been, unless it's a pass-through, and a pass-through for people who don't know in like the marketing space is basically your agency will pass on Viral Nation to you as a, as a preferred kind of vendor to work with you, as opposed to a white labeling situation where both of us are making points on that deal. In order to be successful in influencer marketing, you really need to get the value of these guys and the cost as low as you can. So when you have that kind of double dipping going on, it's a little, it's, it's hard. So I'd say as of, as of today, I think we're close to 95% brand direct. And that's just been because our mantra has been, how do we be ROI focused? How do we be conversion focused? And the only way to do that was to flip that mm-hmm. upside down. So we are almost all brand direct today. But yeah, you know, the, it, it's funny. I sit here sometimes and I, we got a call from a pretty large organization yesterday and they said, you know, you were referred by this media company. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even know anyone there. Like, it's pretty cool. And, and we've really taken, um, Steve, we care about this industry like a baby. It's not like a, you know, Viral Nation isn't a company that's been built to be sold. We're not, believe it or not, never raised a single cent of capital during our whole, mm-hmm. the whole growth. So we really care about this space. And that's why I think it shows, like, if you, if you go on a, a Google mission of the space, if you don't run into us a hundred times, you're searching the wrong term. Like we're, we're out there and we're doing it. And I, I'm also open to, if anyone needs just a, just a thought or a five minute call or you know, I'm worried about something, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Like we're also willing to just give people That's awesome. We'll make sure I update the show notes then with uh, kind of some contact information through both through social and through email and, um, and we'll make sure we get that updated. So from what I understand, so it's been about five years kind of been involved in this industry more as of late and influencer, the industry in general certainly has exploded. Uh, you know, we can tell, I can tell by the, even the dialogue that I have uh, with a lot of brands. Is there anything in particular that you feel has kind of caused this sort of explosion? Yeah, I think there's a number of things. I think, I think the biggest thing is that this new genre of customer, especially when we're talking, we're doing, we're tying an e-commerce to it is so freaking different than it was five years ago. It's insane. Like one of those little things is we built, Crayola came to us and we built out their e-commerce SKUs for their content. So like, I'll give you an example. For They used to have just a picture of a crayon box, right? Or a marker box. And we built out their, their store to have a picture of the box, a UGC photo of what you can create with that product, 
a video understanding what that product can do and what you get for it, a really detailed, fun, cool explanation of what you what's included in what you're purchasing. And we basically how the you know, part of a listing of, you know, the description of the product was so important. We tried to get as much of that into content as we can, because we're dealing with three things. One thing is that people are not spontaneous anymore because it's so easy to do research, right? I'm buying off a Shopify plus vendor and I'm, I'm, I want to buy their sweater. They have a really cool sweater. I check out their social, I check out reviews on third party sites. Like it's, it's a lot more of an in-depth process. So wherever we can figure out how to tap into that, we can. So I'd say the first reason for the explosion would be just the change in consumer behavior and, and how much more you need to do for them in order to get them over the line. Digital marketing, a lot of e-commerce companies that have exploded, have exploded because they know how to run ads efficiently. We live in a world where you can hire a really good digital marketing agency who's going to be ROI focused, who's going to guarantee those KPIs, who's going to drive massive sales, something that they can scale. Um, And I'm sure you've heard that before, Steve, but that's even becoming harder. Just like anything, it's a commodity, right? So there's, there's limited ad space, there's limited time, there's limited people. And now there's so many companies into it that it's changing. So I think the digital ads have become harder. I remember when we first started, a lot of companies would be like, my ROI on a Facebook ad is this, can you match it? And I'd say, you know, hell no, like it's just not possible. Now we're competing uh, on some of our campaigns with their digital spends and even beating them. So that's an interesting piece. I think also too, the biggest piece for our explosive growth was we got a couple really good chances. Like I said, we, we care about it a lot. And there, there's been some big brands like Energizer Batteries, companies like Match.com, Anheuser-Busch, like some of these companies that any marketer would just, you know, Tencent International in China, Baidu in China. Those are companies that a marketer dream of having. And because we went into it with honest pitches, because we poured everything we had into it, because we were different, they gave us a shot, Steve. And, and like to this day, some of the times I'll wake up in the morning, I think, God, why did these companies choose us? We, we were a small agency really working hard, right? And we got a couple shots from some of these monster organizations. You know, of all the brands I just listed, almost every single one of them is still a client. So it's it's an unbelievable thing to be given opportunity from some of these big brands. And, and I think that helped us really, really get situated and explode as well. So I want to give as much credit as I can to our clients who are incredible. Because think about in, in their position, Steve, if you're the you're running an account at Tencent, which is the third biggest company in the world, and they're like, you know, we found these guys, these two young guys from Canada who started an international marketing company. They have like 40 employees and we want to do this big scaled campaign with them. Let's give them a shot. Like that hat, that conversation had to occur at some point. And, and I'm, I'm super grateful that uh, we were given those opportunities to, to be able to shine. Yeah. With those once again, serendipity happens, uh, but it's kind of being in the right place at the right time and, you know, putting in the work and, you know, doubling down and focusing on an industry that you apparently and obviously love and are doing well at it. And, you know, in that, so that kind of shines through um, very clear. So, Slight pivot a bit, so it's a great leading up. So I, I understand the the journey, the success, and both the agency side and on the talent side. So I, I, you know, you've definitely positioned yourself being a thought leader and have executed some great strategy. So let's talk about the challenges today when it comes to like e commerce companies and merchants that are on Shopify. You know, so how do you think influencer marketing? can help solve some of these problems uh, of using influencer marketing, you know, for them to get this awareness and consideration and obviously eventually conversion uh, out of these campaigns that people need. Well, if we can start by making, let's, let's make the e-commerce companies a constant. Let's start this conversation with, we cap the competition, we cap the scale, and we just look at it holistically um, with no other factors, right? I think if we start from social itself, I think a lot of e-commerce founders and a lot of e-commerce companies, and and especially I have some great friends who are e-commerce people, they understand that their social presence as a whole, minus the influencers, their own socials are so friggin' important. But I think what drives them crazy is that for some reason, and I still don't get it to this day, the size of your social following directly impacts your sales. I think that's a given. I think that's a given today. I think that a lot of people make naive decisions based on, you know, if we had an e-commerce company selling winter gloves and another e-commerce company selling winter gloves, all things constant. And we looked at one of them had 
2 million followers on Instagram and one of them had 15,000. I think it's safe to say that a number of these new millennial customers and, and even a little bit older than that are going to choose the one with the 2 million follower. And that kind of is what I believe, especially with e-commerce, sparked this whole you know, fake follower thing, fake follower growth, bots, all these types of different things. And they're sinking so much money into the social that they're trying to get there. So I think the first thing that an e-commerce company can do uh, to solve that challenge is really start to look at what are the things that motivate the growth of social. Because I think for some people, they just don't understand it. The era of organic social growth is dead. You're not going to just post great content and grow, you know, five, six hundred people a day. And, you know, back in the day when the algorithms were different and, and the platforms were new, that stuff used to work like a rock star. That's no longer the case. And then this whole notion late 2017, 2018 was that if I do paid ads on Instagram and on Facebook and on YouTube, then my channels are going to grow. But what they didn't calculate there is that, yes, it'll grow, but the cost for that growth is pretty substantial. Because you're now making a decision as an e-commerce marketer, I do these ads and I have an option. I direct those ads to my website to convert to a sale and start to generate ROI, or I direct those ads to my social in order for that social growth element. So it's weird when it comes to e-commerce because a a lot of the e-commerce customers that we have, there's this like between, between do we send them to the Shopify? Do we send them to a landing page first? Do we send them here? Do we send them to social? Like... You have that one pathway and you got to kind of choose it, right? So let's say we wipe out paid paid social to grow social. So now we have no organic growth and we have no paid growth because neither of those are, are extremely efficient or effective. What I like to see is like, how do, if, if brands can't grow, why do these influencers keep popping up everywhere? And it's this mixture between sharing. It's about collaboration and it's about getting the word out there. So there's a couple ways to do that. An influencer marketing campaign does two things. One thing is obviously we direct organic traffic to the site. We're going to drive ROI from it and all that fun stuff. But also when the influencers post, it's inherent that the brand social goes up. It happens on every single campaign virals run for five years. So that's a cool element that's a little bit different than digital. The second part is there lives these publishers and communities that surround your products. So to give you an example, let's say I'm selling on e-commerce products for dogs. There's there's pages called cute dogs on Instagram. And there's, there's a lot of these different um, avenues that we put together for clients to have these communities share that brand's content. And that by sharing that content through larger communities, you're actually bringing people back to, to that audience. And, and like to give you an example, one of our clients, M&M's, we grew their social like that. And there's a number of different ways. So I'd say the first place to start with e-commerce is how do I look at my social? I need people to be sharing my content. And that's what I need to invest my money in. And I'd say the last piece on their own social is understanding the value between spending a lot on content. I always tell our e-commerce and and all of our customers, to be frank, this, you have 3,500 followers on Instagram and you're an e-commerce, you're a young e-commerce company, right? The cost for your content remains constant. So let's say, for instance, I'm investing $5,000 a month in creating content for my social. Whether I have 3,000 people there or 300,000 people there or 3 million people there, that cost of content remains constant. So you always got to balance, and I think a lot of people don't do that, is balance the amount of people you're showing that content to with the amount you're spending on that content. People go gung-ho on the content and two, 300 people are, are, are looking at it. Whereas when their social grows, they'll have more. So I think there just needs to be a, a little bit of a deeper look at the company's own socials and, and what we could do to better it. From an influencer perspective for e-commerce companies, there's a couple of things. So first one, a big one is platform strategy. So I think a lot of people look at influencer marketing as I give my product to influencer, influencer takes a picture with my product, I'm going to sell lots of products. Not the case. What we need to look at first and foremost is the platform strategy. So if I'm going after brand awareness, Instagram videos and Instagram pictures are great because there's no direct link out of there. So you gotta you got to know that that's what you're doing it for, right? But you look at things like Instagram stories where I can have influencers swipe up directly to an e-commerce store. You look at YouTube videos and having the influencer say, click the link below to, to get the product that I, you know, I just showed you and, and, and I validated for you. Um, you look at Twitter, you look at Facebook. So looking at the different 
platforms and what their strengths are, whether it be conversion, whether it be audience, and understanding how to put the right elements in to be able to convert to what you're looking to achieve. The platform is huge. Second to that is there are two ways of doing influencer marketing. One way is what they call SaaS platforms, right? These are companies that you know you, you pay and you're able to go within their influencer database. You're able to send emails to those influencers and, and you're able to basically from your side coordinate an influencer campaign. The issue with that being, especially when it comes to conversion, I feel like a SaaS platform approach may work a lot better for like a Coca-Cola than it would for someone who's looking for conversion. What Viral Nation is, is a managed service. So we do it all kind of manually. We use software and stuff to to identify that the influencers are correct, that their audiences are correct for what we're looking for and all that fun stuff. But we work with them. We make sure they're using video content. We make sure that, you know, the things I talked about, like platform strategy, we we do a lot more because the more you do with the influencer, the more likely the campaign is going to be successful. So as a whole, I think that for an e-commerce company, the challenges are separating yourself from the from the consumer, which influencer can do, making sure that you're looking at influencer the right way and not just doing it to do it. And then the third is figuring out how to create content and manage your own channels. And I'd say the last part is just like a quick little tidbit that I think is really cool. A lot of these e-commerce brands who are doing Instagram and Facebook ads, right? What we can do is we can negotiate with an influencer to get what's called whitelisting. And that would allow that e-commerce company to put ads, Facebook ads and Instagram ads through the influencer's content. So now I'm um, Energizer Batteries. I'm doing a headlamp campaign. And on Instagram, I have an influencer do a really cool tutorial uh, about how they use that um, headlamp for camping in the backyard with their kids. And it comes across really well. It gets a lot of organic impressions. It it gets a lot of click-through and all that fun stuff. And then what we can do is have Energizer Batteries then go in the influencers' channels and do their digital spend on that content. And what that does, Steve, is it increases the click-through, the conversion, and the receptiveness to that ad by, like, I'd say on average Mm -hmm. here, about 30 to 50%. So there's little ways to also use influencer And I'd say the last piece for e-commerce companies, which is huge with influencer, with none of them do properly, is when you're paying an influencer to promote your product or service for your e-commerce company, it's as simple as adding a line. So like what we'll do for e-commerce companies specifically is we'll get content ownership over the content that the influencers use. And now if you look at it holistically from an influencer perspective, if you do what I say, Steve, you're going to get that organic push. You're going to get that separation. You're going to get the ability to do paid. You're going to get that. Um, you're going to get the organic conversions, and then on top of that, we're going to take the content at Viral Nation and we'll repurpose it. You can use it for a tutorial on your e-commerce page for that product. You can use it for ad units that you're serving yourself. You can use it for social, like that. It's about extracting the full value out of influencer. And I think for e-commerce companies who are traditionally super focused on performance and conversions, and they're not as uh, risque with their marketing budget as a, as a big brand would be. I think it's important to look at influencers with all those things in mind, as opposed to, I'm going to hire an yeah. influencer to talk to No, you I, and I just, I wrote a note here and I, I totally agree with you on that. Cause I think that's a challenge where if people are, brands are willing to uh, invest either in-house or uh, through an agency to produce content, to create uh, this awareness through these, uh, so in these influencers, it's, extracting the value you said of that content and being able to repurpose it in other areas. Um, you know, like imagine if you created a campaign around, you know, a, a, a footwear product and you're showing it and you have some user generated content and uh, imagine as part of this whole campaign, uh, you're able to then show social ads uh, for card abandonment or potentially re-engagement for other accessories that could go along with the product. There's there's so many opportunities out there. And I think the key is, is kind of saying, hey, well, I see the benefits in using other people's audience. I see the benefits in potentially driving awareness to the product. And you know, like you said, it, you could go to a landing page. It could be just growing your social kind of organically. You have two kind of ways of, of doing it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's having this content and then how and, and brainstorming. How can I use... That this content for this particular campaign in a multi kind of a touch point kind of situation. 
Yeah. And, and it's not the brand's fault. I don't want anyone to be like, oh, shit, I didn't think of that. Viral Nation's retention rate last year was 95%. And it was solely on the basis that we introduced these things to people who had been doing influencer already. And they just had this aha moment of, right. shit, I should have been doing that before. And when you start to do that, like you'll see that it's just this poor education on what it is. Me as me myself, like I, I told you earlier when we were speaking before this uh, podcast, Steve, was you know I invest in businesses. I, me and my partner own businesses outside of Viral Nation that we've invested in with startups. And if I was the startup and I, or I was the you know really juggernaut e-commerce company, if I looked at influencer as I'm hiring a bunch of these folks to post about my product and that's it then I agree wholeheartedly, don't do it. I'm not going to sit here and preach that that's the solution. If influencer marketing was just that, influencer marketing would fizzle out and be dead by the end of this year. I think if if, a, if an astute marketer who understands what I've said and what, what we've been talking about and looks at it the way that we've explained it today, I think they'll understand how that's now a channel as opposed to a gimmick form of marketing that we throw some dollars at, right? And that's what has scaled not only our relationships with our big, big brands, but that's what made us be able to say, we're experts at converting. We're experts at creating that value. Because Steve, there's even situations where uh, an e-commerce brand hires an influencer and that piece of UGC content that they get of a full unboxing tutorial of their video is oh, worth more than we paid the influencer for. Because if they were to go, you know, if, if, a, if a, t- a company that sells headphones went to a tech influencer and said, uh, went to a a creative agency who makes production content and said, we want to do a kick-ass social unboxing. We want it to be a full unboxing experience like you would see on YouTube and whatever. They would probably be in there for $15,000 to $25,000 to create that piece of content, right? In a production capacity. Whereas you go to an influencer, you pay them whatever you pay them. There are tech unboxers that cost a quarter million dollars for a YouTube video. Let's, I won't get that misinterpreted, but you can get, influencers whose value is almost just great for the content. And then on top of that, you get organic distribution, UGC, retargeting, the ability to serve ads. Like you get so much for that investment. And and I think as these years have gone on, more and more marketers, you know, marketing little segment of their brain that never turns off, like kind of pops over into that level of thinking. And then it makes sense. They're not going to be like influence marketing sucks, or I tried this and it sucks. Like once they understand the full extraction, there becomes a lot of meaningful discussion around making so, it a, a true chance. Let's talk about some early stage Shopify brands. Cause I know we have quite a few uh, listeners that, you know, are on Shopify core and they are, you know, building their brand hundred orders a month or less. And, and they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're still nine to five. This is a side hustle. There's going to be an element of those people listening today. And, you know, and they would really like to hear from you, I believe about kind of what would you recommend that they do like this week, like as it relates to kind of influencer market. I know it probably is a loaded question uh, because you're an agency and, you know, and you've, and you've delivered like ridiculous amount of value today, but at the end of the day, some people just can't afford or aren't ready for an agency partner uh, to help them uh, with, you know, some campaigns. So, you know, as early stage, do you have any context around, because you mentioned just a moment ago that you're you know, investing in and are working with other e-commerce brands. You have roots in that. You're currently involved with others outside of Viral Nation. So what are you currently doing um, and what would you recommend? Yeah, and, and I like this question because, Steve, I'm truly a grassroots bootstrap entrepreneur and so is my partner, Matthew. <laughs> okay. So I'm, a, I'm cheap too. I'm not the guy who's like, okay, I have a great idea. Let's go raise millions of dollars of other people's money and build a skyscraper. I'm very much performance. I'm very much the mind of an e-commerce person, right? And to ground this whole answer is uh, me and my partner, Matthew, and and some of our other partners are developing a strategy for a coffee e-commerce company that we're going to be launching hopefully at the end of April. And part of my roadmap is this. The digital ad landscape scares the crap out of me. And I know a lot of people in it. We have a lot of strong, astute partners. So what I've done is I've gone out and to my ad team at Viral Nation and I've said, okay, I'm going to allot you guys a little bit of money, call it $200 a day. And with that 200 bucks a day, I want you to start testing Facebook and Instagram ads into different segments, different messaging, different parts of creative. I want to figure out what's working before I scale that investment. So that's the first piece that we've worked on. The second piece is 
when, especially if you're new and you're not fully understanding what your customer is, because let me tell you, I'm the first guy to tell you that you might be surprised at who buys your stuff. Like that, we've been there before. From when it comes to social, what we've done is build a social, build really great content for a very low cost. Let's get something up there. Let's make sure it's situated. Let's not waste any money in social right now. Because I don't think investing in own social is worth it at the beginning. Then what we will do is move on to influencer. And with influencer, what we'll do is very similar to Facebook and Instagram ads, we'll identify, I think we're set to identify close to seven or eight different verticals of influencers, such as entrepreneurs, moms, millennial moms, millennials, different areas. And we'll basically gauge what these different types of content and different types of people we want to test. And then what we'll do is we'll call on them. And if you're a young startup and you're trying to figure out if influencer marketing works for you and you don't have the budgets to come with viral nations or even small companies that do what we do, you can do it yourself if you're if you're smart about it. Like just listening to this podcast will give you everything you need to be able to, you know, scale a one to two, three influencer campaign on your own. In the longevity of things and stuff, you want to get it to a point where you when you're getting bigger influencers, but you go in the market, you find five or six micro influencers, let's call them 20 to 50,000 followers who meet your genres. You look at their criteria, you look at their engagement, you make a pretty good gut call as an entrepreneur. If you've gotten that far, you're not, you know, you're a smart guy or girl. And then you hire them, uh, you know, be frugal, hammer them down on their price, don't accept their first price, you know, negotiate like you would anything else and have them do a piece of content and really track which one is converting best. And it's not necessarily, oh my God, I got my investment back. It's understanding which verticals were receptive, what type of content was receptive. Basically, everything the big guys are doing on a micro scale. And then once you've figured out which channels are working, and my opinion is with the coffee company that we're planning right now, is that I know that two or three of the ad units that we put together are going to work out of 10. And those two or three are the ones that I'm going to invest more money in because I don't want to waste that amount on 10 of them. Then with the influencers is I know out of those five, only one or two is actually going to do something, move the needle a little bit. I'm going to get all their content. I'm going to use that content in my ad group, see if that helps it. You know, it's just about doing each part at the lowest investment possible on your own. And then once you've figured that out, you start scaling in the pieces that make you money. Um, And that's how I'm going to do it too, right? I'm going to increase those Facebook ads and Instagram ads until they tap out. I'm going to get more influencers in line with the ones who worked and, and you slowly start to build that way. And then when you start to find that you're, you got to find that ROI number, we call it user acquisition costs. You know, some people call it other things, but it's just about when you get to a point where now, you know, how much you spend and how much you return then you can you can ask someone for money you can you know there's a lot of things you can do but i would say get to that point first on your own because the conversations and your roadmap to success will become a lot easier you'll be way less scared to spend your own money so i would say just micro test everything based on things that i've said in this podcast about getting the full value out of these guys um and then go from there and see how it goes thanks for sharing that i have a follow-up question though so i I agree with you about, you know, the Facebook, the Instagram, the YouTube, these are kind of, you know, the, you know, the major one, I mean, Snapchat too. I mean, these are, are great platforms to kind of, you know, you know, locate uh, influencers and, uh, you know, grassroots it and test and find the right campaigns and kind of double down on those ones. So that's kind of the great starting point. I'm going to throw a little wrench into this conversation about Pinterest. And uh, because I find that organically Pinterest does very, very well. Um, and, and, you know, this, the stats that I've, uh, read recently through kind of the the business uh, part of Pinterest that you know the, the user base is more educated uh, their average uh, income is higher um, they tend to like I don't at least like eighty percent of the users of Pinterest uh, have bought on an e-commerce company. My question to you is that if because I have brands that use Pinterest and they you know have used Pinterest ads uh, religiously and are enjoying the the ROI out of that or promoted pins, um, do, do you have any kind of comments or any kind of context around any brands that you've worked with recently and and how Pinterest could potentially fit into that overall strategy? In terms of Pinterest, the cool thing with Pinterest is if you're a brand that aligns with them perfectly, you're golden. Right. Um, and there are agencies and, and similar companies that, that have done a really good job at understanding how to manipulate that prof- platform properly. What I think the cardinal sin of Pinterest is, is when brands that don't align with it, try to use it. 
right? It has a very specific audience. I would make sure that what you're seeing on Pinterest reflects what you're selling really, really well. Understand the market of that. So if you look at Facebook and you look at Instagram, you look at YouTube, they're, they're pretty split, right? There, there's influencers who create things for men uh, that are over 40. There's influence, you know, and whereas Pinterest has a very unique visual, very creative, different spin than the other platforms do, right? So I think if your brand fits really well with it, then Bob's your uncle, get in there. But I think from an influencer perspective, we haven't seen that much scale in it yet for me, me to be able to give anything super insightful on you know what the results of that are. Because my problem is, and especially, and I know e-commerce marketers are, e-commerce marketers and not for the purpose of this podcast are usually a lot more advanced than um, brand marketers. And that's just because they're performance detailed and they're very much so scientific about the costs and different things like that, more so than a brand marketer would be, right? So you just got to figure out sometimes is the juice worth the squeeze. So you have an influencer on Pinterest and, you know, you invest a lot of time in figuring out how to build that relationship. You figure out how that content's going to go. And there really isn't a, a pinner or a Pinterest influencer or that's going to get you that scale that's actually going to make it a big part of your marketing mix. So with that being said, I think that from an exploratory standpoint, if you have the right digital marketing company behind you, working through the ads there and developing the ads that are running through that network might be a little bit more scalable and a little bit more, I'd say, efficient for an e-commerce company right now. But what I would say that would be a really cool thing, um, and this doesn't involve Viral Nation, you can do this you know, with any agency, is tapping into the people who are making those really cool Pinterest posts and boards and different things like that to create what your company's ad is going to be. That's a really interesting way to use it that I don't think a lot of people do is how do you get people who live Pinterest to be able to make your brand come across the same way? So I would say, you know, utilizing people who are in that world, who are creating those things to really give your brand the, the look that you know what you're doing and you're in there for the right reason, I think is a really cool approach to Pinterest. Yeah. So what I get out of this then is so alignment of your brand. So, you know, uh, will the users of Pinterest, uh, does your brand align with those particular users? And so I get that for sure. Um, I, I, I will add one thing that I have learned uh, about Pinterest that I just want to get on record for this podcast um, is the, the, the discoverability of Having a promoted pin, so however the pin is designed, um, you know, if you need to, you know, find, and I agree with you, if there's people that are doing it very, very well that resonate well with the size of their audience. And so um, hiring them or learning from the best looking pins and why they're uh, shared and and just that, that whole kind of virality that happens with Pinterest, I find the shelf life of a promoted pin to be very high, like more than six months. So you spend money on a campaign of a highly targeted, really well-designed pin. Now you can do lots of them and create campaigns and they can cycle through them and all, uh, but, and there's, there's retargeting options, lots of things going on on Pinterest I thought was interesting, but the promoted pin is different than Pinterest ads because an ad is placed and when your budget is done, it's done. I mean, there's analytics and you can see the ROI and you can kind of, you know, and that's an interesting test from a paid acquisition acquisition uh, perspective and, and finding the right audience and showing the, you know, I have many shoe brands, watch brands and things that are doing things in Pinterest, uh, even contact lens company doing very well in there um, as, as from a, from a, uh, an ad perspective. But I also see the long-term benefits of a promoted pin and showing that in there, paying the money, promoting it. It's still out in the wild and discoverable because you've paid money to have people share it to their boards and saving it. And then, uh, that builds the the share count, and uh, because of that, it has a certain amount of virality around it because you paid for the virality, and then it just sits out there in the wild based on um, the the metadata that's associated with that particular pin. So now it's discoverable long term. So it definitely pays off in spades over time. Yeah, and and I think to to add to that is there's this so. When I, when I look at the marketing mix as a whole, there's like the must-dos. Um, and for an e-commerce company especially, if you look at like, you know, your SEO is of dramatic importance, right? Your Google ads and the people who are searching for similar products, very important. You know, traditional 
um, let's say millennialized PR, very important, right? A lot of people, a lot of these uh, e-commerce companies, when when they get something cool in the news, or you look at the Shark Tank companies of the world, and I would say that something like what you're talking about with Pinterest falls in line with that, because there are also sites like I'll give you an example, like one of our big tech clients is uh, ViewSonic, and you know, CNET and um, Android Authority. And there's so many of these really cool targeted places where you can pay to do what you're talking about on Pinterest, right? So you have these CNETs release, the top 10 must have monitors for gaming of 2019. Those types of things and being the top pin and being the number one on those lists play such an important role in, in understanding where people are finding you and I think from a, from a marketer's perspective, there almost has to be this sit down where it's like, okay, let's pretend, you know, we're eight different customers and let's go on those journeys together. Because those journeys aren't what they were before, where it was like, check the newspaper or type it in Google. Like, you know, when you type in Google, like gaming monitor, there's no like company that's coming up right away. It's it's blogs, it's it's companies that have done lists about them. It's It's influencers, it's those types of things. So if you go on that mission, you know, and the reason I'm saying that, Steve, is because sometimes you type in a product and the Pinterest comes up, right? So, you know, I think from a, we call it visual marketing. So understanding what everyone is going to see before they get to where I need them to go. I think what you're saying is super cool because it can also apply to all those other areas. So I'd say for an e-commerce company, figure out where your customer, like, you know, have you heard of the uh, app slash website house? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we. I think Shopify has a connection to it. So House ended up. I was I was uh, renovating an entire house, rebuilding an entire house. That freaking thing was the catalyst to every sale I every every purchase I made on e-commerce. But sometimes an e-commerce marketer might say, "Well, what about my social? What about my digital ads?" And they ignore those little those little areas where people are seeing their stuff first, or where people are really warm. Right. So I would say step back. If, and if and if Pinterest hits you on your journey to get to your product, then that's where you need to focus. And those are the types of channels that are so... And you know what the best part is? They're underwhelmingly cheap to do, right? Like we have certain e-commerce companies who are spending, you know, 250, 300,000, a million dollars a month on digital ads, right? But these little areas like sponsoring something on Android Authority might cost, you know, $800 a month or... Um, Putting a pin up might not be your whole digital spend, but my God, is that thing going to drive traffic? Um, so yeah, I think those are really cool ways of finding the paths to, to get to your e-commerce site. I'll add to about the SEO part of it. I think uh, those listening, you know, we, you know, SEO is a is a major topic. It's it's extreme importance, both from an on page kind of technical perspective, and then kind of long term understanding kind of where you fit and uh, trying to come up with the right the right keywords and, uh, and 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 you know maybe not fighting in the most competitive keywords to to show up organically. I find that it's, it sounds to me the way you've worded it is that you know once you figure out you know your your non-branded keywords so not your brand name but non-branded keywords that preferably long tail seeing what content is is being produced and what's available and what's showing up right now in Google search. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, YouTube is showing up uh, for, you know, influencers showing their videos. What an interesting opportunity to be able to reach out to them and saying, hey, you know, you're showing one of my competitors, uh, you know, let's say it was a, a video card. Uh, interesting that Google is already showing that kind of organic reach already in there or the blogs you give, you know, you give an example of CNET and different things like that. That's very interesting to me that if these are your target keywords and this is the organic reach that's available in Google because it's part of your SEO strategy, then it sounds like it's blending itself very perfectly over to the influencer strategy because this is what's there organically. These are the keywords that are important to me and doing a little bit of research ahead of time and then start reaching out. Let's not fight Google and why these videos or Pinterest is showing up organically. Go along and find out well, who's putting that pin up there. Why is Pinterest showing there? I need to research and go and talk to them. Yeah, you're preaching. Like, I love this because the reason I know so much about this, Steve, is because I do it for myself, for Viral Nation. Like, I, I run our internal marketing team, and we do the same thing, but for B2B. 
So what I found out last year was when you type in influencer marketing, it's not my competitors coming up on the first page. It's these freaking lists and these different, these are the top marketing agencies and these are these. And all I had to do was tap into those in order to build relationships with them to not only, you know, the other cool thing about them, Steve, is Mm -hmm. they need content too. (laughs) So if you're you're a Shopify e-commerce owner and you, you sell something really cool, right? And you find that on the homepage, there's a company dedicated to um, projector screens. Right. And that's what you sell through e-com. And you contact them and say, hey, I want to write a couple blogs for your site yeah, about our product and about, you know, I want to do an installation guide on your site. They love that. Right. It's totally organic. So it's about, for, as a marketer, you got to step back and you can't just focus on the things everyone's talking about, right? right. You can't just focus on those things because that's how, you, you ever wonder how certain brands, like especially e-commerce companies, just take off out of the blue? It's like, how the hell did they do that? They didn't have my $200,000 a month in the market. What the hell just happened? Well, they went viral because they were sharing content with viral pages. They, there's so many different ways to approach from a strategy perspective. Like That's why Viral Nation started getting into strategy. So we're doing strategy for a number of brands now, just thinking about this from this way. Not, I'm not going to strategize your digital ads. Viral Nation has a digital company that we that we hired. They're our agency of record. They do our digital. I have an SEO company. I have a PR company. Like I have those things. But where it's important is how do you figure out a strategy for all the rest of the stuff, right? Um, I had a really good um, interaction with someone who knows uh, the owner of Fashion Nova. What an unbelievable growth story from total grassroots market. Like they did every single thing that we put into strategies for other brands like to a T, like you couldn't have done it better. But it was all built off of influencer marketing, viral videos, plugging in organically, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is, it's pretty made. There's a lot of great success stories. And I think that's the benefits of the show too, is that, you know, there's, uh, there's, you know, there's, there's people ahead of you in your entrepreneurial journey and, uh, but there's certain kind of tactics and strategies that can be implemented today. And, you know, thanks, Joe. I just massively appreciate you being, so completely transparent about, Hey, you know what? I have this agency and yes, I appreciate your business. If you're in the mid market to enterprise, uh, those in the startup land with, without, you know, low budgets and kind of want to grassroots kind of guerrilla market it. Uh, there's some, you've definitely have shared some, some value here about what people can do. The key is just execution and just getting out there and doing the work. And, uh, that's, that's the big thing we are nearing the end of the show uh, it's been i mean we could probably talk for another hour but is there you know because it's just such great value and it's just like it's just marketing in general that's what the show is it really is you know it's a data and strategy driven approach uh to you know growing and scaling your brand is kind of my mantra and you know you've hit the nail on the head of all the things that you've shared today so do you have any kind of closing comments or any kind of takeaways that you would like to leave with the listeners today yeah i'd, I'd love to i just i i think so just one more time, if there's startup companies who are looking and, you know, you don't have the big brand dollars and that type of stuff and you want advice or you want something small put together, you know, reach out to me through this and I'll do my best to help you out. Okay. But I think the only thing we didn't address that I think is a big thing for e-commerce companies is the land of micro-influencers. Okay. Um, and I won't get into it heavily, but it's a big topic when it comes to e-commerce because I think a lot of brands see and think that certain brands are just giving products to influ- these micro-influencers. They're posting about it, and my God, they're making all these these sales, right? <laughs> right. The landscape has changed for anyone kind of really interested in, in figuring out this micro-influencer piece. Micro-influencers now are you know getting paid. It's a very different environment. But what I would say is back to my juices work the squeeze thing. How I would calculate it if you were doing it yourself would be, I got to do 10 email exchanges between this person. I got to ship them a box of my product. Let's say that's, you know, a hundred bucks and I got to spend this time. They're going to shoot it out to an audience and it's going to get 300 clicks, right? And I'm going to convert three sales. I would, I would just caution any e-commerce company, just do a time value calculation on, on running micro influencer campaigns and make sure it makes sense. And then companies in the mid-range and larger range, what we do is we commoditize the uh, micro-influencer piece. So we've actually built something to be able to scale it. And we feel like micro-influencer campaigns are best when they're scaled, not these little things where, you know, we have all these little influencers. Because the other the other trap of the, uh, the micro-influencer piece is that of the fraud conversation of influencer marketing, 
80% of it lives in the micro-influencer space. It's a very nasty little world down there. So we can build actual programs where we're seeding products to influencers at scale. We're owning all their content. We're reporting on the data. We're, we're you know, you, you got to kind of look at that a little less loosey-goosey and a little bit more as a bigger activation. And I just, it sucks because I see so many e-commerce companies like, I want to do micro-influencers. And, and you really need to understand the strategy behind it and how to make it efficient enough to work. So I just, I just wanted to like, the only thing we didn't mention was, I just wanted to caution uh, other founders like me who are in the e-commerce space, just to, you know, take a deeper look at that thing. And, and, and there are ways if you're bigger to scale it through companies like us. And if you're small, do that time value cost kind of analysis because it can get a little bit messy. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, that's awesome advice. I'll add too, is that I have uh, quite a few brands that I work with where they've also decided to be involved with micro influencers and they have decided that instead of sending product and I, I agree with you about this kind of this value exchange for time and offering a product and then creating some content and then and, and hoping that, you know, sales are going to magically happen. Um, they've decided to go, a few have gone the affiliate road where they're creating uh, some kind of branded affiliate type sites where they can uh, you know, have access to a lot of the popular products as as part of their their brand and showing off and showcasing some of the items that they want to sell, um, or and or just direct affiliate links, uh, recommending a certain product and then getting paid on the back end a certain percentage of of a sale. So it's definitely for performance based based on that. And then the other one is. Um, I, that I see gaining some traction um, is loyalty points. So a lot of micro influencers, uh, this is not necessarily their full-time job. It's a side hustle and they're building, trying to become a major influencer is what their long-term goals are because they see the, the aspirations of being a, what a celebrity endorser is actually making for recommending product. And so uh, people are starting somewhere and they get involved with certain brands. And as they start you know, sharing and creating content for these other brands, they're getting a kickback for loyalty points that can then be used for product that they're then consuming themselves for free. You know, whether you use Viral Nation or not, I want you to be successful. So, you know, it's not a sales pitch, but the questions that you need to ask when running a scaled influencer, micro-influencer marketing campaign internally is a nightmare. You just, it, there's, there's so many things you need. So what I would, these are the questions I would ask any agency that you, you approach when you're looking at actually building a bigger monetizable calculated you know micro influencer campaign like the avons of the world do and, and some of these larger brands who have really tapped into it i would say how are you like these are the questions i would ask one is how are you tracking this how are you going to make sure that influencers are posting how are you going to tell me the performance of the campaign how are we going to see this in one place that's a really big question because if you catch an agency who's going to use spreadsheets and you know do it manually it's it's going to become a disaster I think the second piece is how can you automate either the referral process and the tracking process when it comes to sales? That's a big one because it, some people can get it to the setup point, but when it comes to actually figuring out how to incentivize and build the relationships with these people, that's where it kind of falls off. And I think the third one is ask them if they've done it before. A lot of companies, especially with influencer, because it's new and there's so lack of education in the space, it seems like an easy thing to do. And I don't think they're frauding anybody by saying they can do it. It seems pretty easy. I'm gonna I'm gonna email blast twenty thousand micro influencers. I'm gonna build a list, and all these guys are gonna do it. Like I get the rationales there, and I get the confidence. I'm not saying these people are shysting it, but the reality is, it is a megalodon pain in the butt like that those types of campaigns like they're super super hard and they take people with experience to make them work so i would just say have you done this before and have you done it at scale and if you ask those three questions and you don't get a yes to those three i would say keep kind of looking around yeah that's great feedback yeah thank you so much for that i really appreciate it um so how can people learn more about viral nation um I, I, you're gonna put at the bottom my contact details again if anyone wants you know advice on anything just let me know but yeah, viralnation.com or directly to joe at viralnation.com is fine. But yeah, our site is is a good medium. You, my LinkedIn's there. I'm pretty active on there. So yeah, either either of those three is cool. 
And then um, as far as the uh, talent website, is it all linkable through viralnation.com? Yeah, Viral Nation Talent is there. So Viral Nation Talent, if you are a e-commerce company who is testing or just needs a couple influencers for something and don't need a, a marketing campaign, we can refer you to our talent agents, just like a CAA or one of those guys, and they can just help pair an influencer with you without any strategy campaign or anything else. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, Joe, uh, just awesome, awesome interview today. Uh, ridiculous amount of learning for myself. It's just, you know, I'm just, I'm so fortunate to be uh, in the seat that I have here with the show because it's, it's, it's just proof that, you know, for all the years that I've been doing e-commerce uh, with my own startups and exits, you know, for almost the last 20 years, it's like every day uh, is fresh learning. And I just feel so excited to be able to have this opportunity to be able to learn uh, from people in their verticals and their field of expertise. And, you know, you've definitely wowed myself being in this industry and you've shared a lot of great information i'm hoping the listeners also get a lot of value out of it i'll update the show notes and thanks again joe for coming on the show i really appreciate it no problem steve thanks so much for having me and thinking of us it was awesome well thanks joe for coming on the show today you know you've offered the listeners and i some incredible insights you know into the necessary world of influencer marketing you know no matter the size of your business there are strategies that you've learned today that will definitely help your business grow the show notes are updated with all the contact details that you need. Uh, any assistance from Joe and his team um, at Viral Nation or through Viral Talent. And I too, you know, would love to hear your feedback on any results that you've achieved as you implement your influencer strategy. You know, ping me on Twitter at Stephen Hutt or on the Facebook page. All of these links are going to be in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode. You know, I'd like to thank you, a loyal listener of this show. And it's my hope that this podcast is really offering you a ton of value through growth strategies, tactics, and kind of insider exclusive tips on the best Shopify apps, marketing platforms, and growth strategies, all with my personal goal to help you grow and scale with Shopify. I'm really proud that you have a growth mindset and are a constant learner. I truly appreciate you and your entrepreneurial journey. Enjoy the rest of your week and keep thriving with Shopify.